It's time for the Ron and Brian podcast. Get ready to fill your ears with the latest news, politics, current events, and whatever else we feel like talking about this week. And now, your hosts, Ron and Brian. And good evening, everybody. It's Sunday night. It is 8 o'clock, and it's time for episode 2. 47 of the Ron and Brian podcast, just a few weeks away from that magical episode 250. Oh, stop, 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 stop. Brian, uh, how are you this evening, my friend? You're looking good. Uh, listen, I'm feeling good. Um, I don't know if uh, I'm feeling a little heavy. You okay. know, I'm feeling, right. um, you know, it, I'm not feeling my best. Um, I feel like I've put on some weight recently. Uh oh. Um, I don't know if you can, can you see it here? You look I, about roughly six pounds heavier. That's right, people. The Ron and Brian Championship Belt has made its way into my corporate housing digs. Behold. Looks like you, looks like you even put a little polish on it. You know. Let's just say some upgrades were uh, were liberally uh, um, handed out. Understood. Understood. Very nice. But if it'll make you feel better, Ron, your photo still adorns it. Well, you had mentioned was- you might scrape it off, and that uh, that that would have hurt. So I'm glad no, you left it on there. No, it's still there for the world to be reminded that you know, for there to be a 51, there must be a 49. Therefore, there must be balance fa- in all things. Your- your face will always be there, the yin to my yank. All right. Well, let's get things moving in this episode. It's time for Drink of the Week. Drink of the Week. Nazdrovia. Salud. Drink of the Week. Sancho. Drink of the Week. Drink of the week. Drink All of the right, week. Brian. What are you? Uh, what are you drinking this week, my friend? Harp Lager, making a return. Harp Lager. We haven't had. I haven't had one of these in a while. Look at that beautiful color. Ooh. You may ask yourself, Brian, where's Harp Lager from? It's from Ireland, and oh. not only is it from Ireland, but it's also rich golden pilsner style lager. So it's not just any lager. No, it has an aroma filled with mild hop bitterness and subtle malts. Its profile is characterized by this hop bitterness, mm, along with faint hints of citrus fruits. A slightly malty sweetness in the finish leads to an overall balanced brew with a refreshing hoppy taste coming in at five percent ABV. Here is my drink of the week, and that is Harp Lager. Take a sip, Brian. Let us know what you think. Oh, that's good. Nice. Oh, that's damn good. I just, I am a fan of lagers. You are. I always will be. One thing we've always said about you, IPAs not as much, but lagers um, you are fairly consistent with. I do, I do enjoy a good lager. Ron, yes. can I ask you a question? <laughs> As always. What beverage have you brought to the table? So this week I have brought uh, from BrewDog, I have brought their Clockwork Tangerine. Um, this is a session IPA with natural flavors, a fully 
automated sessionable IPA infused with tangerine, perfectly timed delivery of juicy citrus with notes of mellow tropical fruits, followed by subtle notes of caramel and toasted malt, all wrapped up in a medium-bodied ale. A director's cut for the 21st century clockwork tangerine. IPA precision for the people. Clocking in at 4.5%. Mm-hmm. A very crushable IPA. Uh, looking very citrusy. Let's very thick. Find out. That is a thick, thick uh, uh, beer. You can't even see through that. That is tasty. I'm not going to lie. Walk me through. Walk me through, Ron. What are the flavor profiles that you're experiencing right now? Uh, I'm getting the malt. I'm getting the citrus. Not getting as much of the caramel as you would think. Uh, Not too hoppy either, which I'm not a fan of overly hoppy IPAs. So uh, Mm -hmm. this is is tasty. I enjoy it. All right. And you know what? It makes me happy to know that you have a beer that makes you happy. Well, I'm happy when you're happy, uh, but Tom, Tom, eh, sometimes we're not happy, and that's when it's time for Beef of the Week. Ron and Brian's Beef of the Week. All right, Brian, uh, what's bothering you this week? This one's going to be oddly specific, and I don't really know <laughs> that I have um, a lot to complain about. But okay. looking back upon my week, there was just one moment where I was truly um, disappointed in life and frustrated with um, uh, the current offerings that uh, this existence has to offer. Um, teleconference doctor appointments. Okay. I know that the pandemic is officially over. I know that uh, Joe Biden has signed off on the paperwork. Right. Dr. Fauci has gone back to his underground lair. Um, and one of the things that um, seems to have um, continued is um, online doctor appointments. I had one earlier this week with a specialist. You know, I'm, I don't want to say which specialist because, frankly, There are HIPAA rules that need to be respected um, and honored at the same time. And we're not just talking about mine. Anywho, um, I did the appointment from work um, uh, scheduled during my lunch hour. And I just, it was, um, I I could not wait for it to be over. Uh, Have decided I will never do that again because I spent the entire time um, uh, with uh, with the window minimized and basically spent the 30 minutes um, staring at my outlook with emails that needed to be responded to that I was not responding to. And I really got nothing out of the doctor's appointment. Was they, that perhaps more due to your lack of focus? I mean, are you, are you, can you really blame the doctor? No, but I can, I, if I were, um, but if I were in person, I would not have been in, uh, distracted by uh, my work, my office, uh, things on my desk. At Got one it. point, I even vacuumed up dust on my desk. All right. Fair enough. Well, uh, that is my beef for the week. All right. I guess a minor beef, but specific. So that's OK. Ron? Yes. What's bugging you? Uh, so what's what's bothering me this week, Brian, is uh, home goods. Um, I know you're familiar with home goods. Um, you sure. have not just in your corporate apartment, but in your home apartment, you have quite the collection of live, laugh, love paraphernalia. Sure. Um, so my wife, uh, loves home goods and my beef with home goods is unlike other 
stores, like you go to Target and the stuff you have at one Target is the same stuff you have at pretty much every other Target sure. you have out there. Sure. But with Home Goods, you can have different stuff at each and every store. Meaning when we go to one Home Goods and there's not enough tchotchkes and uh, bric a brac and whatever else you would purchase at a, a Home Goods, you then need to drive a half hour to another Home Goods. Um, to uh, see what uh, what various items they have there. And God forbid you don't buy that item when you're there because odds are when you go back, they're not going to have it and they're not going to get any more in. So it's just uh, just makes for a very long day of shopping. How many home goods did we visit? Well, it wasn't just the home goods. It was, you know, it's, it's the Marshalls, it's the TJ Maxx, it's the at home, it's the, the whole family of of stores they are they all owned by the same corporation or different yes, ones i believe they're all all the same Ooh, that's uh, see that's where i feel like i i feel like it, there needs to be a a um an acknowledgement by society that we need to have a waiting room for men at these stores where men can sit down, maybe you have a flat screen up on the wall where they're playing a, a sporting event by a local team and uh, uh, some couches where men can sit down on. Um, I just think that those stores, um, you know, if they wanted to increase their sales, there should be a place where where um, uninterested shoppers would be allowed to pass the time. Because what it actually does is it increases the amount of time that the interested shopper gets to spend shopping. Right. Because I know if you drag me into a home goods. I would say within four and a half minutes, I will start complaining and um, try to speed up the visit to a home goods store. Yeah, the only part of home goods I like is is kind of the gourmet kitchen area uh, where I can shop. For you food. don't say. <laughs> you don't say. Where I Shocker. Can sh- where I can shop for some, you know, some coffee. Uh, I got a good deal on two pounds of coffee beans today. Mm-hmm. Uh, found a jar of a very elusive strawberry rhubarb jam that I've been finding at Home Goods, which I like. But yeah, that takes about five minutes, and then it's like, right. all right, um, can we go look at a flower pot that looks slightly like the flower pot you didn't buy at the last Home Goods? Only this one has a divot at the top instead of the bottom. Um, So obviously that one's much more feng shui for what we're trying Mm -hmm. to achieve here. And how many um, decorative pillows did you look at over the weekend? Listen, when uh, when you come to visit uh, very shortly, Mm -hmm. you will you will you will not recognize the house anymore. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. It has been way too long. It has been. I, I, I won't say whose fault it is that it's been way too long. But. It's my fault. I, right. take, I take full responsibility. Um, an invitation was extended. And um, unfortunately, I uh, bad calendar management um, uh, struck again. Um, however, if you guys remember, I did make my, uh, my New Year's resolution to be better at my calendar management. And I think I've been pretty good so far this year. So far, I think you've been doing all right. Yeah. A bigger question to ask you, Brian. What are you watching? <gasps> Ooh. Okay. So, um, first off, Chris Rock, uh, return to Netflix. We're returned to uh, comedy specials. Live stand-up. I don't know. Selective Outrage is, was the name of his recent tour. He was um, uh, in 
Baltimore, Maryland yesterday. Yes. I believe. Um, and uh, shot his uh, new special, Selective Outrage. Some uh, a, a little twist here. Um, it was, oh, hold on. Uh, uh, William Esquire is asking for spoilers here. Um, and he's, he's saying that he wants them free. He wants me to give him free spoilers. Nice. Um, okay, I'm not going to charge you for these for free spoilers. Um, but he is um, – I just love the fact that right now William Esquire is watching this. He also has AEW on a Revolution. second screen. Yep, yep, he does. Because the uh, pay-per-view is on. And he's debating whether he should turn the sound off on this show so that he does not get any spoilers on the show. But we're not going to charge for spoilers here. Um, so he did his uh, special. Um, and what I found most interesting was uh, how similar it was to um, the set he did at Radio City Music Hall last fall when um, I took the lady to see him. Very similar. Okay. Um, the uh, the chunks, the bits. Um, uh, he does a section, obviously, selective uh, uh, outrage. So he talks about woke culture. He talks about the victimization um, that uh, society has embraced. He does a bit about being a father. Um, obviously, he addresses the um, uh, Will Smith Oscar fiasco. Is it is it safe to call that a fiasco? I would think so. Yes. Okay, so he, you know, he hits all the those things almost word for word in certain sections. Um, it was exactly what we were, um, what we had seen when he had performed live. Um, I, I was expecting it to be a little different. Um, I guess I was expecting it to be slightly. Um, uh, I thought he would have added new material or, right. or swapped out something. No, this was pretty much the same uh, uh, episode, and I think he did about ninety minutes. You know, a lot. Most of the uh, comedy shows right now are coming in around you know fifty, sixty minutes. No, he did an hour and a half, solid. Um, I didn't find it as funny as I remembered what my expectations of a Chris Rock you know special are supposed to be. My personal thoughts. You watched some of it. Where, where, what did you walk away um, with? I watched. Yeah, I watched the the first hour of it before I tapped out. I mean, uh, you know, uh, not only would I say selective outrage, but I would say uh, selective humor. Uh, I mean, it was. There were some parts that were funny. Um, I, I don't know what it was about it that just didn't hit, but it's like. I think the Kardashian bit was very funny. Like I don't mm -hmm. that that I found was humorous. Um, mm -hmm. You know him talking about him how he's paid for more abortions and more you know college educations than anybody out there. I mean there was mm -hmm. some stuff that was funny. I just it wasn't as kind of hard hitting and edgy as mm -hmm. some of his older material was. I actually found his delivery annoying. And it, I don't know it, if annoying is, is the right word. Distracting. Right. Because he does have this very much um, uh, uh, preacher-like delivery where he'll say something and then repeat it two or three more times before he goes into his bit. So he was just like, and that's not what I said about her. That's not what right. I said about her. That's not what I said about her. Yeah, his delivery because, and then he goes have, into the bit like, yeah. d d just say it once and then move on. We all heard you. Like you, you are literally the only person on stage with the microphone. Everybody is in the audience. 
there's no need to repeat yourself three times. It's like it's like you know it's like the kid in class that had needed a 500 word essay, so it repeated themselves a few times. Like the the delivery definitely was not uh, not great. Again, probably could have brought yeah. it in under an hour if uh, mm-hmm. you know it wasn't the the repetition. Yeah, that was one thing that I I found very distracting and. Um, it uh, it definitely impeded my ability to uh, find stuff funny because I was mentally in another place. I suddenly was noticing what his delivery was rather than the words and the content that he was offering up. Yeah, that, I, I agree with you. There was something that just was was, and I, I do want to agree. It's it's not quite annoying, but distracting almost. Like yeah, kind of like you were waiting for the setup of a of a huge punchline that kind mm-hmm. of never came. Right. Um, what are you watching? Um, so I, and I think I, I turned you on to this as well. I started watching the uh, new Korean uh, documentary on Netflix called In the Name of God, uh, A Holy Betrayal. Uh, it's a, a documentary on four Korean uh, religious leaders. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, uh, the uh, the church had attempted to stop the release of this documentary. Uh, Netflix mm-hmm. was able to to beat an injunction in the court system. So it is an eight part series. Um, I have just gotten through the first episode. I know you mentioned you got to episode four. Uh, the first portion of the uh, the documentary deals with Jong Mong Suk, uh, who is uh, part of the uh, JMS or Jesus Morning Star Church. And I think you would have to say, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, the first five minutes of the first episode are probably some of the cringiest uh, starts of a, of a documentary um, that I've ever seen. Like it does not, they, they like, it doesn't like normally with a documentary, they'll, they'll ease into the subject matter like this, you know, it deals with the, these Korean religious leaders sexually assaulting um, female members of the church. And it, the it, fir- yeah. it the starts first- at 10. Like it doesn't, Ooh, it doesn't ramp yeah. you up. It hits you right off the bat with taped conversations of uh, this young young suck, um, basically raping a, uh, a parishioner. Follower. Yeah. Yes. Um, the first four episodes of this eight-part documentary are all about this one guy and his and his church, which I believe had a couple hundred thousand followers, um, he uh, basically, and you know, um, and this is the part where it's shocking. And I don't know if um, William Esquire wants some spoilers on this or not, because he did. Oh, he also oh. doesn't want me to spoil this one again. God damn it, William Esquire, controlling the show. I don't understand how. Um, but basically, this guy creates this religion. Um, uh, somehow does some funky math, which proves that he is the Messiah. And um, and I don't know what it is about the society there, um, but it has um, always attracted, or I don't want to say always attracted, but uh, as far as long as I've been conscious about the world that I've, I've lived in, I'm always hearing stories um, about different um, small religions that are sprouting out of there. Um, I mean, we remember the uh, the Moonies back in the 80s right. who really um, had made a lot of headway into American society, still do. I believe they own one of the major newspapers down in Washington. 
Not the uh, no, I know which one you're talking about. I can't think of the name. Not now. the Sun, not the Washington Sun or the Washington Globe, or it's it's not the Post. We know no. that a different a different uh, uh, cult leader uh, owns the Washington Post. <laughs> Correct. But basically, he starts this church, and right off the bat, he basically um, uh, 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 narrows his focus on uh, the attractive uh, uh, female parishioners, and basically. Um, you know, requests one-on-one time. He, uh, you know, basically has, you know, quote unquote, brainwashed these, um, uh, his followers into believing that he himself is the Messiah. He himself is, um, uh, uh, in line with God himself. Um, and basically just gets these poor women in a one-on-one room and just basically rapes them. And the thing about this show is like you said, it starts off with a um, an audio tape that one of the women um, had made because she she has been um, uh, repeatedly uh, raped by this guy. So um, uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't ever lessen. Right. And the worst part is that as this goes on, you really start wondering what the f- like how fucked up people can get mentally in these these religious organizations. Because this guy was arrested for sexually assaulting his his parishioners. This man went to trial, was found guilty. This man went to prison and had female parishioners going to visit him while he was promising them that he was going to be um, that he was going to be uh, 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 preaching to them and 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 counseling them on their their path to God and et cetera, et cetera. And then comes out of prison after I think he did 10 years. Yes. Comes out and then immediately rapes these women. Starts doing it again. And they're interviewed being shocked because they didn't believe that he was a rapist, that they thought he was just being persecuted by the evil government of Korea. And, you know, meanwhile, he's wearing a um an ankle monitor <laughs> he's wearing an ankle bracelet right. because like so literally this guy is getting naked wearing an ankle bracelet and his parishioners are like no he's not a rapist there's he did nothing wrong and then like i cannot believe that he was you know he had his hands in my underwear i'm like oh my god how did you not know like none of these people like, keep in mind this shit happened in the 1990s into the 2000s the internet existed you know i understand if they're living in a country where like iran or as you like to pronounce it, Iran, where the internet is censored, where you would not have been able to get this information. But this guy was, um, you know, doing this during the internet age. A simple Google search would have um, found out of his name would have absolutely. And they're like, "Oh, I can't believe he did it." And it's it's hard as a cynical person to, um, you know, you you feel bad for these women. Like this man deserves the most horrific death. There's no doubt about that. There's no arguing. Um, you know, he could be, uh, uh, you know, dropped into a burning, uh, a boiling vat of, of oil, and it still isn't like the the deserving death that he he um, should have. But you also sit there and you watch these women who are just, you know, um, coming into the picture years after um, these charges and the trial and the and the imprisonment, and it's like they they how do you not suspect it? How do you not sit there and say? Um, this isn't the religion for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna go look for a different one because it's not as if he's the only religion in town. 
Right. No, there's, I mean, obviously there's, there's multiple religions, unfortunately, um, as there are three other <coughs> uh, pastor stories that are going to be told, uh, similar issues in, in other churches in Korea, it would seem. If it, listen, if if you find the um, and also keep in mind, they really never take their 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 foot off the brake when it comes to the cringe factor because they play tons of audio cassettes of this guy raping, um, horrible human being. How this continues? The next story is a um, and I got like five minutes into the episode and then I said to myself, I need to turn this off because I have to focus on the Ron and Brian podcast and prepare myself. The next story is um, a female, a woman-led uh, uh, religious organization in Korea where 37 uh, members of the religion were found dead in the attic space of a uh, building that the church owns. Is it suicide? Is it murder? We, I have no idea yet, but I will be watching this. All right. Um, did you start? I have not yet. Did you start watching the new season of The Mandalorian? Yeah, I, I wonder how much I can tell. Should I should I tell exactly what happens in the episode, or or should I? <sighs> Spoiler for review. Spoiler for reveal. Well, let me okay. let me just oh. ask this: yeah. Is it the same premise where every episode is? Oh, wow, we got to go somewhere, but wait, um, we need this problem solved on this random planet you're uh, you're visiting. Can you help us out? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, the episode one, and I'm not going to go into the specifics. Episode one ends with the Mandalorian with uh, Baby Yoda in the back getting into his uh, starship or whatnot, um, saying to somebody, I'd really like to stay, but I have to go to this planet and do something. And then he takes off and it was at that moment that I was just like, oh, son of a bitch. They're just <laughs> going to do the same fucking format that they've done in the first two seasons, which is Mandalorian starts off with an objective and then he has to go from one um, space system to another space system, it, you know, it, because everyone's just like, I'd really like to help you. But first, you're going to have to take on these people that are harassing my people. <laughs> well, all right. Well, if you're not watching that Pedro Pascal show, uh, are you watching? Uh, are you also watching The Last of Us on HBO Max? I have not. I have not caught up on that yet, but I Might want be. to. I, I even went so far as to put two episodes of it on my phone to watch Might, on the subways. But I Might have be not. the best show on TV right now. Really, I'd be willing to go out there and say, and a lot of people aren't watching it because they're not into like the whole zombie genre. But I think mm -hmm. that's just really it's not the main part of the story. And there's just some really great writing, really great acting, really great cinema um, taking place in these episodes. What about the um, homosexual storyline with Nick Offerman? I, you've been raving to me about that throughout the entire, I mean, um, you know, the text that I've got from you on Sunday nights, when you watch <laughs> the episode, it's like, Oh my God, they're kissing. They're kissing. Well, that was what just one hung, episode. That was stud that was, muffin. That was that was just episode three, I believe. Uh, oh, the, the not like you memorized it or anything. But the other episodes ha have been just just as good. I mean, it is yeah. it is a great show. Um, and then I also, uh, movie-wise, this week, I watched the uh, 2022 uh, psychological thriller Alice Darling, uh, starring, uh, what the hell is her name? Anna Kendrick. Um, it was not really a thriller or psychological. Uh, it, the plot is... Uh, yeah, Anna Kendrick plays Alice. She is in a psychologically abusive relationship with her boyfriend, uh, who her uh, she goes on a vacation with some friends that try to help her out. Um, just not 
great. Like it was the movie was only an hour and a half and it Ooh, still felt okay. like it dragged. Really? Yeah. Well, that's not good. So I don't know. I don't know that I would recommend it. Rotten Tomatoes has it 46% on the audience score. Audience. You're what a what a great audience. However, <laughs> 83% on the toma- tomato meter. Tomato meter, tomometer. Tomometer. We'll call it the tomometer. Yeah, right. 83% of the tomometer. Yeah, I, I was not a fan. Um, so that's all I got to say about that. Okay. But Interesting. Definitely, I want to hear your take on uh, The Last of Us. I'd be curious to watch a couple episodes and then get back to us. You know, I, I, I'm i not going to lie. I was hesitant when it first came out simply because I was so burnt out on the zombie storyline. Right. Um, I, I, I was I was a um, I was a fan. I was a very loyal fan of The Walking Dead, but they lost my trust. There were only so many times that Glenn could get caught underneath a car or, or like how many episodes ended when Glenn was in somehow like just trapped by zombies. And then it went to the next episode and lo and behold, Glenn's alive. Glenn's alive. Um, and then it just became like, I, okay, I get it. This is this is what you guys are just dragging this fucking thing out. So I kind of, I, I, I got off the, the zombie bandwagon. This show came out and listen, I'll be the first to admit it. I tend to uh, be rash in first judgments. And I, I read a quick storyline on it. I was just like, oh, it's a zombie show. And I just I just said, I'm, I'm passing on this one. But it seems like I made a uh, wrong decision. Possibly. Possibly. So, um, Brian, what's, uh, what's your story of the week? We always pick a, a couple of stories that we want to make sure that we get to during the show. Uh, what's your story of the week this week, Brian? My first, um, uh, my first story that I put up there was not good enough. It was, um, you know what? It's not even important what that story is. The important story that I would like to bring to the table here is um, if we could go out to Roosevelt, New Jersey. You're going to say, where the hell is Roosevelt, New Jersey? And I'm going to say, ask Billy, because I have no idea. However, in Roosevelt, New Jersey is a woman who blew her home up, filled with cats. She was in the process of being um, evicted, and there were police officers that were there to serve her with an eviction notice. Um, uh, state police officers, if I am not correct. Um, do we have a photo of the house? There we do. There we look at that a beauty. Anyway, she was in the house. The police, these the state police officers, the troopers, if you would, um, basically were um, you know uh, trying to make contact with her. She was refusing to let them in repeatedly, saying that nobody was going to take her or her cats. Um, uh, things escalated a bit. She threatened that if they did not leave, she was going to turn the, the gas on in her stove and she was going to blow the house up. At this point, um, the police um, uh, did not know whether to take her seriously or not. So they continued to try to make contact with her. Lo and behold, she blew the fucking house up. As we can see here by the uh, fire of the house. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, you know, um, it's uh, it's not every day that you can point to the trash garbage that is the state of New Jersey. However, this is just one of those opportunities when I can sit there and say, um, you know, when, uh, pay your rent. Um, and if you can't pay your rent, move someplace where you can pay your rent. 
Um, here we go. Roosevelt, New Jersey. See, I knew I knew William Esquire was going to know where it is. He is all he is. He is the encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to the state of New. Why is his face larger than mine right now? <laughs> I don't know. That, I feel like you made. The, I feel like as part of your your last act as as fifty one percent owner, you you increase the size of the viewer comments. Roosevelt, New Jersey, slightly north of one ninety five, so it falls in the central New Jersey region, um, which I believe is where William Esquire is from. He is a proud resident of central New Jersey. I wonder if he is a neighbor of hers. Um, but I digress. So the story here is a woman with a um, house full of cats who did not pay her rent, decides to blow up the house with her in it. Obviously, she's dead, and the cats were fried. So Yeah, unfortunately, um, she killed off a lot of the cats, too. Yeah, so this is really a tragic story that I am somehow making light of. Um, Ron? Yes. What story is your favorite of the week? Um, so it's tough to get worse than a woman blowing herself up and killing a bunch of innocent cats, but I feel like this next one did. Uh, this uh, coming from overseas. This is about a, uh, a missing socialite um, who they found her missing skull um, in a pot of soup this past week. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, this is the story of heiress and model, uh, Abby Choi Tin Fung. Uh, she is a 28-year-old socialite and mother of four. Uh, she went missing about a week ago. Um, and apparently now her ex-husband and three members of his family have been arrested and charged in connection with uh, her murder. Uh, they found her dismembered legs in a refrigerator and her belongings, including credit cards and an ID card at a village house uh, three days after she failed to pick up her child from school. Uh, officers collected evidence, uh, including a meat grinder and cleavers, an electric saw, black raincoats, gloves, face shields, and two pots containing what were later confirmed to be human tissue. Also um, uh, uh, recently seen was uh, Sunny Red, um, was also uh, somehow in her, uh, you didn't get the Donnie Brasco reference. Sorry, I missed that one. Fucking hey, you made a <laughs> solid Donnie Brasco reference. Do you, I assume you you saw the movie Donnie? It's Brasco. been yeah, it's been a while. I don't, I don't. Okay, don't you remember the scene where uh, Donnie Brasco and Lefty are chopping up the bodies in the basement? Right. Sonny Red was was the guy they were chopping up. All right. Well, I don't remember the name. I'm sorry. Damn you. Uh, Choi's ex-husband, Alex Kwan, was arrested at a pier where he was trying to flee the city by boat, um, carrying 64000 in cash and Patek Philippe watches worth more than $510,000. Uh, his brother, also arrested, uh, charged with one count of murder. Uh, his uh, Her ex-mother-in-law, who was allegedly aware of the plot, was charged with perverting the course of justice. Uh, apparently, all having to do with uh, money. Um, from what I heard on TikTok, which we know it, it has to be true, was that she was going through a divorce with this guy, and um, apparently, she was from a a, a, a fantastically wealthy company. Oh yeah, comp uh, a family. Um, the guy she married was not from a, a wealthy family. So he, um, at, when they got married, she bought a house for this guy and his family to live in. Um, however, she did not give the ownership of the home 
to the family. She basically just bought them a house and was letting them stay in there. Um, the divorce goes through. She lets him know that she is going to be evicting the family, that they have to move out of her house. Um, and the way that they decided to ensure that they didn't have to move out of the house was by killing her and chopping up her body in the hopes that it wouldn't be found so they could continue to stay in the family. That is why everybody in that family is um, is getting arrested because they were all involved in it. Allegedly. 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 Crazy stories again this week. But I feel like they were life affirming. <laughs> yeah. And quite the opposite, because both uh, uh, both heroines of our story ended up dead. So I don't I don't know that you could say that they were both uh, uplifting. I apologize. Sorry. Uh, we do have some stories, but I know you also had a bit which um, we haven't done in quite a while. I know you wanted to do a lightning round. I'm going to get another beer while you do that. Oh, talk, talk amongst yourself, Ron. Uh, all right. Well, as we will at times do, we will put together a rapid fire list of questions. Uh, one of us for the other to answer. Uh, one of Brian's first acts as 51% owner and title belt possessor said that he reached out to me and said, Ron, I want to do a lightning round with you. And I said, of course. So, okay. Are we ready for the lightning round? We were born ready, Ron. All right. Okay. So we're calling this the either or edition. Okay. So I am going to read to you either two names, two locations, two um, uh, identities. And what you are going to have to do is answer me and then tell me what your justification was. Okay. Make it very simple. Here's the first one. There's 15 of them. can go very fast. that's a lot. No, no, no. This will go very fast. Here we go. Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Boebert? Oof. Lightning round, Ron. I'd go Lauren Boebert. On what justification? She, at times, is slightly less annoying. All right. Arena football or XFL? Got to go arena football. 50-yard indoor war on the floor. So many good memories, you and I, with arena football. Ah, some of my best. Speaking of some of my best memories, Harvey Weinstein or Bill Cosby? Oof. I mean, I guess guess you have to go Bill Cosby because technically he's acquitted. Subway or Quiznos? (laughs) I mean, I would go Subway. I'm I'm a sucker for a Subway melt. All right. The New York Yankees or Eternal Salvation? Yankees. Yankees. Good, man. Love that. Can't um, put a price can you on beat, things like that. Can you beat Ron or can you beat Brian? Can you beat Brian? That's the newest, hottest game out there. On our Patreon, you guys have to join us. Um, avocado oil or grapeseed oil? Avocado oil between those two, yes. And is that because of the smoking point? Uh, well, I mean, it does have a decent smoking point. Just prefer the flavor, too. Okay. JRVP or R&B? JRVP. Hmm, a little hurt there. Um, Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity? Mm. Got to go Sean Hannity with that one. Again, slightly less annoying at times. All righty. Um, Prince Harry or Prince William? Prince Harry. 
He's got a full head of hair. Look at that head of hair, Brian. You think I could go with a guy with that hairline? Yeah, but I I thought the victimization would be something that would would turn you off. I mean, I think the the supporting of the colonialization of the royal family kind of is a bummer, too. A little bit of a turnoff. Here's one. Train derailments or plane crashes? Mm. I'll go train derailments. Typically fewer fatalities there. Much worse um, ecological disasters. Well, you know, it's it's a trade-off. Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis? Mm. I mean, you got to go Donald Trump just for the 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 entertainment factor. Okay. I, I'm a little disappointed that I've not heard one lightning noise during this. Oh, well, you know what? Matt fell asleep. Hold on a second. I can tell that's a lie because when you're on cocaine, you never fall asleep. <laughs> Disneyland or Disney World? I mean, I've only been to Disneyland, so I guess I got to go with that one. Chat GPT or deep fake videos? Deep fake videos. Interesting. Didn't realize you were into that uh, type of porn. <laughs> and last, last but not least, 51% or 49%? You know, there are uh, there are a lot of ways to look at this. But, you know, I was uh, speaking with uh, with Gwyneth Paltrow the other day. Uh, you know, I'm a, an investor in Goop and she really knows how to uh, put things in perspective. And she said to me, Ron, 49 is the new 51. So I got to go with 49 percent. I'll catch lightning wow. in a bottle and then cram that bottle straight up your ass. Where did we get that from? I have no idea. I love that one. Straight up your ass. That's it. Welcome. And I thank you for participating in Lightning Round. Either or edition. That was uh, that was a good one. I mean, I, I feel like you kind of mailed it in a little bit, but not too bad. I know. I disrespect Wow. You, you think I mailed it in? I feel Simply like you... Because I, Okay, you can't compare. You can't compare a lightning edition to a can you beat Ron? Can you beat Ron requires hours of preparation. Lightning round should not require hours of preparation. And I guess the fact that you did a lightning round just one week after you did a can you beat Ron, um, you must be pretty much spent at this point. Not at all. I told you, twenty twenty three is the year that I am bringing it. All right. I called it. I called it in the beginning of January. I proved it on February 5th, and I've proved it every week after. All February right. 5th, 12th, or was it the 19th? Uh, I think it was the 12th, actually. Very close. So. The fact that it was a Sunday, I mean, just. You know. <laughs> I mean, it was one of the three days that you threw out there. Um, <laughs> also, this week, Alex Murdoch found guilty and sentenced to two consecutive life sentences uh, for the killing of his wife and son. Um, Jury only was out three hours deliberating. According to one juror, they actually only ended up needing to deliberate for 45 minutes before voting unanimously to find him guilty. Brian, did any of this surprise you? Yeah, I actually was surprised he was found guilty. Really? Um, um, I felt that there was a lot of circumstantial evidence. Um, 
I felt that the, uh, you know, he, I, you know, what was the, um, the show that we recently watched about him? I think it was on Hulu. Not, we did not watch the Netflix show on, um, Alex Murdoch. I think I watched a Hulu or an HBO. Yeah. The uh, Hulu was like a low, low country dynasty or something like that. That's the one I watched. I watched that one. Um, he was basically, um, you know, the, uh, his family basically ran the town. Um, ran the the uh, the local area. There had not been a change of venue, um, so I figured that there were going to be a lot of locals who um, were going to find him sympathetic. Um, also, the the murder weapons were never found, and when you really think about it, and this is just my personal take, um, I think that the um, the uh, the motive of um he had recently been discovered being a drug addict and stealing money from his clients um that he was going to uh, uh shoot his wife and son to death as a way to drum up sympathy for him it just did not really it rang slightly hollow with me um i i'm not following that logic and obviously if he truly was um addicted to opioids um but, you know, his brain wasn't working at, you know, full capacity or whatnot, but it just seemed somewhat odd. Hey, wait a second. They're about to find me, um, uh, you know, on uh, 800 charges of financial, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, impropriety. I'm just going to kill both my uh, wife and my son using two different weapons. Right. And um, uh, it just, it just, uh, it felt like a stretch to me. Don't get me wrong; I think he did it, but it just, I <laughs> felt like they, I felt like the motive they had for him was was rather weak, and just felt that the jury was going to sit there and um, uh, uh, either come back a hung jury or say not guilty um, for a variety of just you know uh, reasons. Um, you know, they did not find uh, what's the. Uh, the uh, the finger residue when you pull when you the gunpowder residue, yeah, yeah, they didn't find that on him. So I just felt like there was, um, and at the same time, I just felt he was flamingly guilty. Like yeah. absolutely, the guy was guilty, but I just didn't think that they was the um, that they had proven it. Now let me let me ask you this because this has kind of been going back and forth on some of the news shows. A lot of people feel that if he had not taken the stand in his own defense, he probably would have been found not guilty. What are your thoughts on that? I was shocked. I even remember I reached out to you via text. And I think, I'm, I think I might have called you. I think I tried to FaceTime you when I found out that he was um, – no, no, no. I FaceTimed you when he was found guilty and you didn't take my call. But that's no. neither here nor there. Um, I was shocked that he um, uh, would take the stand. It is um, widely um, best practice in the defense world to never let your uh, – client on the stand because the second they take the stand, they are now subjecting themselves to prosecution um, uh, questioning. And that's usually where um, uh, people are found guilty is their inability to handle the questioning from a prosecutor. Um, It certainly didn't help his case. No, No, I think what were your thoughts? um, You know, I, to your point, I felt that there was a very strong possibility that, like you said, there was either going to be a mistrial because it was a hung jury or they were going to find him not guilty because, mm-hmm. you know, 
that they were able to, again, they provided some very compelling evidence, but they were never really able to give a strong motive as to why. Um, right. But I felt he just, he did so poorly on the stand mm -hmm. and they were able to really drill into him having to admit that he lied to police sure. during the initial part of the investigation. Mm -hmm. And he had to admit to, you know, a lot of his financial crimes. He had to admit to a lot of things that made sure. him look very, very bad, which again, they it's not like they hadn't presented that information, but when you as a suspect are on the stand having to answer those questions repeatedly and, and the jury has to hear from your own mouth kind of what a horrible, shitty individual you are, mm -hmm. then it probably makes it an easier leap for these folks to say, you know what? He probably did do all this stuff. Like, this sure. is, yes, this is all very circumstantial, but in hearing, in hearing his own words and hearing his personality, it's not a, a leap to picture him mm -hmm. um, killing these two individuals. And to your, to your point, I, I believe he did it also. If yeah, he didn't yeah. do it, he's, he, if he did not do it, he is still involved in some way, shape, or form. Well, I think that the um, what I found very compelling and a little um, nerve wracking um, in terms of the prosecutor's evidence in this trial was the analysis of the cell phones that were um, Alex's phone, Maggie's phone and Paul, his son, the, the, the three people who are in the dog kennel at Moselle their uh one of their properties that they had but basically it was you know down to the second they were talking about um the prosecutors were able to pinpoint where people were on the property down by the second at the same time talking about um battery strength so it's it's very clear you know you know having uh, you know the the amount of data that is stored in in these cell phones sure. um that they were able to say that at four percent you know paul sent a snapchat you know video um and then it was down to two percent when he made his last text message like just the fact that they were able you know they didn't have video you know, this wasn't, um, you know, they didn't have video. This wasn't a, a CSI where, you know, they had some like crazy, um, you know, uh, scientific evidence of guilt. Um, but the very fact that, um, you know, it was they, they were able to say um, that based on his uh, testimony to the police or his, you know, while he was being interviewed, when he said, oh, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I went to go visit my mother for a half an hour and then I came back and the very fact that the police were able to say, well, actually, that's not true because your cell phone shows that you were at this location between these minutes and these minutes. You then moved from here to there. Um, and, and, and not even just you were, you know, within this zip code or whatnot, but they were able to like pinpoint his location on the property. Oh yeah, you know, which I found, which I found somewhat scary. But I think you know the uh, uh, the the last nail in the coffin was the video that his son took um, in the uh, kennel, which um, clearly showed his own voice, which showed the mother's voice, but there was a third voice that was heard in the background, and it was um, identified by multiple people as the voice of Alex Murdoch. So up to that point, he had basically told everybody, I was, you know, I was at my mom's. I wasn't even here when this happened. Um, I came back from visiting my mother and I found these, you know, these dead bodies on the ground. Meanwhile, um, there was there was video proof that he was there. Right. 
And then it became the prosecutors who were able to ask the question of, so at this moment, you know, uh, you know, uh, T minus, you know, a minute and a half before the murders, um, you're at the property, you're in close proximity to your son and your wife. Um, within those, you know, next 60 seconds, how far did you travel to be far enough away that you didn't hear gunshots, you didn't hear gunfire, you didn't hear anybody scream? And somehow did not make it back to them in a you know in eight minutes. Yeah, his story his story just did not stand up. And again, he sure. made him, he made himself look even worse. And he still faces additional court cases, um, over a hundred indictments, uh, or excuse me, over a hundred charges across nineteen different indictments for his financial crimes, facing uh, another seven hundred years in prison. Uh, if convicted of all those, uh, you have to imagine he'll appeal this. But at sure. some point, you know, at some point, he's not going to be able to defend himself. Like the, 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 I'm sure the cost of this trial mm. was fairly substantial. Um, and then, you know, whatever of his assets will start to be seized as sure. these financial crimes, you know, uh, and civil cases start going against him. And let's not forget, this is the same guy that hired um, a a meth head, a local meth head to shoot him in the head um, <laughs> to ensure that his son got um, the uh, the insurance money, um, and then that son somehow d- um, uh, gives gives testimony in his defense. I, like, mean, I found that shocking too. I mean, Buster, I, I, I guess Buster believes his father when his father said he wasn't involved. Well, it's a little rough, man. Somebody killed your mom. Somebody killed your brother. I, your, the brother seemed like a dick. Excuse my language. <laughs> right. I don't know that the world is really um, mourning the loss of uh, Paul Murdoch, but Maggie seemed all right in my book. Yeah, Maggie, Maggie didn't have it coming. Paul, uh, you could kind of argue that we're a little better off. Well, Paul um, drove his, uh, you know, drunkenly uh, drove his uh, boat into a uh, – a bridge overhang and uh, killing one of his friends. So I'm going to say maybe Paul did have it coming. Maybe so. Maybe so. Uh, Moving on, we have two stories of uh, GOP politicians uh, pushing drag bands uh, that had photos pop up in their history, uh, showing them wearing drag. Uh, First going to Tennessee, uh, where Governor Bill Lee, uh, I believe, has already signed this law Uh, planning to criminalize such behavior. Uh, The bill amends the state law against obscenity and pornography to include certain uh, adult cabaret performances. Well, then, of course, people do love to share things from people's uh, history. Um, This is a photo of Governor Lee allegedly wearing a short skirt, tight sweater and long beaded necklace um, Mm -hmm. in a photo that later appeared in the 1977 Franklin High School yearbook. I don't listen. I I mean, to sit there and and try to say, hey, this guy dressed up as a woman. So therefore, you know, he's a hypocrite for for um, uh, trying to ban uh, drag performances in front of children. Um, It seems like a little bit of a stretch. Um, I think that you're actually losing your argument in the sense of um, you should just be going after politicians who, um, despite, you know, um, uh, the horrors that this world has to offer, are deciding that um, 
uh, uh, men that dress up as women is is really the 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 greatest struggle that we need to be focusing on. Right. Uh, then credit to the Tennessee Holler, one of the local media outlets Holler! that confronted uh, Governor Lee and said, do you remember dressing in drag in 1977? Why is it only illegal when gay people do it? And uh, Governor Lee shockingly did not like that line of questioning. Sure. Um, I'm sure he was the only uh, politician that was going after drag shows, correct? Uh, well, you would think so. But going down to Texas, Texas State Representative Nate Schatzline um, also is uh, authoring a bill banning drag in Texas. Uh, and a video came up of him uh, being uh featured in drag. Here is a photo of him. Um, there was another photo of him showing the dress he was wearing, but it was very, uh, very fuzzy. Um, so uh, this was uh, Living Blue Texas uh, shared this, uh, this video of him um, running around in drag. And yet he I, feels I, he should be able to dictate whether uh, people can actually perform in drag or not. Sure. Speaking of drag, and I, you know, it's um, I, something you and I have spoken about personally, is um, the uh, interview that the um, unfortunate, I think it was from a, a Republican uh, state um, politician from Oklahoma, I believe it was. Correct. Nathan oh. Dom uh, appearing on the most recent uh, The Problem with John Stewart. Um, and again, you have to question uh, if Nathan has ever watched anything Jon Stewart has done uh, to be surprised. First off, um, if you will notice, and I didn't notice this in the photos before, he's got a little lapel pin, Nathan yeah. does, in the shape of the state of Oklahoma, Oklahoma. that says America first. Okay. Um, but this is the thing about Jon Stewart, and I, I mean, it's... The man comes prepared. Oh, yeah. You know, he knows his stuff. This is a guy that has taken on Congress and gotten them to bend. I think, um, you know, the efforts he has made with the 9-11 first responders in terms of the um, uh, aid packages that Congress in 2002 said, absolutely, we're going to pay for these people's health care. And then, um, you know, uh, as much as we they, the GOP likes to, you know, bathe themselves in 9-11 um, uh, nostalgia, um, uh, the Republican congressmen, you know, uh, over the past few years have absolutely tried to chip away on those um, uh, promises. And um, he basically has gone down to D.C. and um, given speeches, walked the uh, halls and was able to get um, the 9-11 first responder support um, uh, uh, passed. Right. You know, he's a man of he's not, he's a man of action. I think, you know, one thing you can say, you know, about yourself, you are you're a man of words. You know, and, uh, you, <laughs> you 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 sit in your um, you sit in your sterile um, uh, suburban uh, Pennsylvania home. Um, you know, casting aspersions on those who are out there on the front line. This has got to stop. Uh, I believe John Stewart also uh, working to help uh, military uh, people that uh, suffering the, the medical effects of uh, working around burn pits. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, so this uh, this interview, uh, part of the reason he talks to uh, to Nathan Dom is uh, Nathan staunch Second Amendment supporter, but sure. even to the point where he doesn't feel that you should have to 
register uh, to own a gun. You should not mm-hmm. have to go through a background check. Even going as far as to say you don't even need proper training in handling a firearm. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea, but it shouldn't be required. Uh, but we should pre- own a gun. But we need to protect the children right. by 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 banning drag shows in their presence. Well, and that's and that's where you know that's I think one of my favorite parts of the interview is is you know this guy is going on and saying you know we really need to to protect kids and he's like the government has a responsibility to protect children and John Stewart's like well what's the number one cause of death for children in this children. country and the guy and I like, love well, his I answer guess, he's like I guess you're going to say uh firearms he's like and john's like it's not like it's an opinion it's yeah. the fact more yeah. than cancer more than car accidents more than any yeah. other disease out there and john and john nailed it on the head he's like you don't give a flying fuck about kids and this guy had no answer yeah. that's the thing and and it was almost as and you know that the way this guy's brain is wired he's not going to walk away and say where are my priorities right where, you know, how have I, have I, you know, how is it that my, you know, I, 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 I talk the talk, but, you know, uh, you know, my actions don't, uh, aren't in line with actually protecting children. This guy's going to walk in and be like, fucking asshole. How dare he talk to me that way? I'm a, right. I'm a state legislature, you know, and whatnot. Just, it's, it's gross. It's right. actually just gross human behavior at this point. And, and the, the hope and again, I don't think John Stewart goes in thinking that he's going to change the mind of an individual like this. Sure. But sure. I think the hope is that enough people see this and see the hypocrisy and realize mm-hmm. the danger of supporting politicians such as this and the 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 long-term ill effects that can happen from it. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we saw it this week with a story out of South Carolina where a woman was arrested and charged after allegedly taking abortion pills to end her pregnancy in October of 2021. Mm-hmm. You know, this is all blowback from Roe v. Wade being repealed. Sure. And and this happened again. This is October of 2021. So this is when mm-hmm. Roe v. Wade was, was still legal. was still legal, but mm-hmm. now she's being charged um because of it. Correct. Rich, they're going back in time now, people. This is what happens when you have a um religious fervor um that is unchecked. Right. Because it, it, we are we are we are living in a world where there we are, we are. There is a a collective fear of pushing back against the religious right. It's for some reason, as a society, we have ceded the high ground to the very vocal religious right, despite the fact that they are not a majority. Right, that we have allowed them to infiltrate um, every sector of our government, federal, state local, judicial, executive. Oh, fuck. What's the third? Legis- legislative? Yes. Oh, fuck. You nailed um, it. And we just, and, 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 and nobody's, no, and, and we're not going after them. Right. And South Carolina, one of three states that um, criminalized uh, this behavior, uh, explicitly mm-hmm. criminalized self-managed abortions. Um, right. But again, red state, we talked about 
Marjorie Taylor Greene wanted to divorce the red states from the blue. Mm-hmm. Fine with that. If this is how you're going to conduct yourself, I don't want my sure. tax dollars helping a state like this. And shockingly enough, Brian, who do you think the uh, the enforcement of these laws impact in higher numbers than white people? Hold on a second. I'm going to guess uh, 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 low income uh, 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 women and uh, minorities. So black, brown, indigenous and other people of color are disproportionately criminalized uh, for pregnancy outcomes for decades, but more so since Roe v. Wade was overturned. Sure. And nobody cares. I mean, people, there are people that care, but the people that are in a position to do something about it are, um, seem afraid, seem afraid to take on the uh, religious right. And, and again, they're not, they're not that large of a group no. in this country. So it is, it, it's unknown why they have this, this type power. It's because they represent a voting block. And the fact is, is that when you ultimately look at it, the Republicans and the religious right play a very different game from uh, the way it's played by the opposite side. You know, the Democrats still feel, you know, it's the liberals, however you want to, you know, phrase it, they still feel that, you know, that they are, are standing on the side of moral right and that they won't sink to the levels of the other side. And the truth of the matter is the religious right are sitting there saying, these are God laws that we are promoting and we will do anything and everything to, um, to ensure that God's laws are respected. Right. And it's... You got the, you have two sides that are playing by completely different rules, and um, for you know the perfect example I will still say is you've got the Supreme Court nomination of Merrick Garland by President Obama that was stymied because it was quote unquote a uh, uh, a presidential election year by the Republicans who were a minority in Congress at the time, and yet. Fast forward four years later, you have the Republicans um, literally push through uh, Amy Barrett through the Supreme Court nomination process, somehow accomplishing it in mere days, despite the fact that it was an election year. Um, The hypocrisy, and when I say hypocrisy, I'm not saying it because I disagree with it. What I'm saying is that it is just so clear the rules they play, which is that we will do and say anything to get our way, which is when it's, it's something that is against their favor, they have a much different stance than when it is something that is in their favor. And the Democrats and the liberals feel that if they stand up and point out this hypocrisy, it's going to change behavior in some way. Just like John Stewart's interview with this guy, it has been clearly shown over the past what I mean, uh, a lot of people say it's all Ronald Reagan's fault, but it is so clear over the past 20 some odd years. I really feel like it was accelerated under Newt Gingrich, where it is it's not about who you are or how you play or, or how you play the game. It is about whether you win or lose. And the Republicans and the religious right are winning and the Democrats and the liberals are losing. And the fact is, is that the the, the part that is just mind boggling to me is that there are um, there is a large majority of Americans that want abortion in this country. 
And what you've watched is a steady stream over the past, you know, eight months or so of states that are turning anti-abortion, not based on the actual numerical majority of that viewpoint, but because the people with the loudest voice are the ones that are being listened to despite their numbers. And you look at, you know, getting back to the abortion pills, you know, now we're seeing that Walgreens, uh, due to receiving a letter from nearly two dozen Republican state attorney generals, have stated that they will not dispense abortion pills in several states where abortion is still legal uh, because they are concerned about uh, future future lawsuits. Uh, They are concerned about activism uh but fuck walgreens yeah, and I boyc- yeah boycott walgreens i am boycott i am officially boycotting walgreens um and i guess Dwayne reed is part of them so cvs you're going to get all of my business until i hear that walgreens is um honoring what is law and not um being fearful of uh of uh, uh, uh empty threats now, down in Florida, they actually did something to hopefully help children. They arrested a 72-year-old man last week after investigators found his home uh, stashed with more than 220,000 printed images of child pornography, uh, which investigators say weighed over a ton. Um, mm-hmm. The mugshot for this individual um, who goes by the name of Paul Zatel of Ocala, Florida, looking pretty much how you would expect his mugshot to look. Um, he faces 25 counts of possession of child pornography. Just, I mean, first off, Jesus Christ, this does look like the kind of man who would print up child porn. Yeah. You'd sit there and be like, you know what? I'm not okay with it sitting on my uh, hard drive. I need to actually see this in paper. Um Ugh, just he looks like the kind of guy that you would warn your kids about um, if he were to leave his house. Yeah, I mean, that that's something like you, you see him and you're like, yeah, stay stay away from that side of the street. Just stay away from the entire neighborhood. Ah, haunting. Those eyes are haunting. All right, Brian, uh, another fantastic show. Kudos to you, my friend. Your leadership has led to some of the greatest content, I feel, in our 247-episode history. Um, But we are not done. If you are a Patreon subscriber, uh, you've got a little more show coming this evening. If you're at the bronze level or higher, that's just $10 a month. Um, You get to join our live after dark starting in 20 minutes. Some of the stories too spicy for live podcasting, too spicy for YouTube, too spicy for Twitch. Uh, So if you haven't yet, go to ronandbrianpodcast.com in the upper right-hand corner. Click on Become a Patron. Join at the bronze level or higher. Um, You get to join us live. Listen, if you just want to start off at the $5 level to check it out, you will get the audio of the uh, the After Dark sent to you tomorrow. Uh, But if you don't get enough Ron and Brian in this hour, hour and 10 minutes that we do here, um, this is the best way so you don't have to wait another week to get more of us. You can get more Mm -hmm. at the bottom of the hour. Absolutely. All right, Brian, anything additional before we wrap this one up? Um, No, I love you, and I'm looking forward to seeing you. All right, I love you too, my friend. I'm looking forward to having you and your lady join us. Uh, In the meantime, Patreon folks, we will see you in in 20 minutes. Everybody else, 
We will see you next Sunday. Thank you for joining us on the Ron and Brian podcast. We're live each week on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. You can find prior episodes, links to our social media, and everything else Ron and Brian at ronandbrianpodcast.com. See you again next week.